Most of you guys know, Steph and I, uh, our family, we lived in Indonesia a long time, and we would go to, a lot of times for vacation, we would go to Bali and go to, go to a hotel, and around the pool, there'd be all these Australians. Australia's real close to Indonesia. And they'd be partying hard at night, and in the daytime, they would be lounging around the pool, you know, drinking a beer in their bathing suits, and always reading a novel. You know, just everyone around the pool reading novels, and I just would look at that, and I thought, man, I'd love to be able to engage these people with the gospel. And um, so just an idea started percolating of writing a novel. Uh, and so I started working on that and tooled around for a while and with the, with the goal of, of reaching into a non-believer's heart and trying to get them to stir them to ask the deeper questions of life. And so I started working on a novel that... Um, would try to answer the questions. A lot of people think if I went on an adventure, then my heart would come alive if I had this adventure. And what I wanted to do is try to engage people with a deeper thought. It's not the adventure that makes your heart come alive. It's the author of the story makes your heart come alive. So if I had to pick one fruit of the spirit, I would say joy. My protagonist is looking for joy. And so my novel just came out this week. It's called Java Wake. Yeah, thank you. So that's fun. Seen it on the Amazon store. That's a good feeling. And this one came in the mail on Friday. Uh, so I'm really excited about this. So I'm going to read uh, just an excerpt from the first chapter. I, okay, I will. Amazon.com, Kindle and printed edition. There we go. That's my plug. Chapter one. <clears throat> it was the bright orange exclamation point that grabbed Stephen's attention. He was standing at the airport bookstore, headcock sideways, perusing titles crammed into the tight shelves. The little book screamed out at him, Fear not and live hot, with the colorful intensity of a high school pep rally. He looked both ways and felt slightly guilty sliding the thin book all the way off the shelf like he was about to pick up a terrorist manual or rifle through a dirty magazine. After glancing through the chapter titles, he decided this one would probably do. Placing the book face down on the counter, he tossed a yellow pack of chewing gum on top to further hide the fact that he was buying a self-help book. The bored African-American lady at the register gave him his change without any indication that she cared whether he helped himself or not. Dropping his purchase into his laptop bag, he clipped down the busy corridor toward gate C-23 of the International Terminal. The cross-Pacific flight was grueling and near sleepless. But at the Hong Kong airport, he found a comfortable transit lounge where he was able to sprawl out and get a couple of hours of sleep. The final flight was a four-hour leg to Surabaya, Indonesia. Hint, hint, it takes place in Indonesia. I figured that out. Stephen was hoping to get some more rest to battle jet lag, which he imagined would be brutal with the 15-hour time difference. He stuffed his stout mid-30s body into the window seat, and soon two more large men took their places in the middle and aisle seats. It was Stephen's bum luck that the larger of the two men took the middle seat. Even worse, soon after takeoff, the middle seat man leaned into a nap position and had the audacity to stretch one of his legs into Stephen's precious legroom space. Having already lost the subtle tussle over who had control of the charmed armrest, Stephen would now have to bear the additional trespassing on another long flight. From a scrunched position, Stephen eyed his large sleeping seatmate, an outdoorsman-type man. His outfit of dirt-dusted hiking boots and khaki cargo shorts suggested rugged adventure, while Stephen's casual business attire suggested indoor non-adventure. Stephen compared his plumper body and thinner hair with the adventurers. 
His own light brown hair was already peppered with gray on the sides, and the man's was jet black, accompanied by bushy, unkept sideburns. Drool trickled down the man's stubbly chin, and every now and then he would twitch. A half hour into the journey, the in-flight entertainment fired up its offerings. Stephen could find nothing worth watching, although the other passengers had settled for any mind-numbing scrap of distraction they could endure. Instead, he reached for his new book, hoping to transform his stagnant existence into some sort of fear-not-and-live-hot orange exclamation point. He couldn't remember ever in his unexamined life wanting to read a book like this. Maybe this was a midlife crisis coming on a decade too early. Carefully reaching into the seat backet to retrieve the book, Stephen accidentally jostled the seatmate's elbow. The man shot up awake and looked around to get his bearings. Stephen apologized softly. Oh, sorry. No worries, mate. Always ready to be woken up, the man said with a heavy Australian accent and without a hint of frustration. Oh, well, I hope it wasn't too soon. Never too soon for me. Always prepared. That's my motto. He now regretted that he had woken up the confident-sounding Aussie. Stephen guessed from his pithy little sayings that the man probably loved to hear himself talk. Name's Choppa, the man said as he wrenched his curled arm around and stuck it out for an awkward but firm handshake. He pulled his boot back into his own legroom. I'm Stephen. Nice to meet you, Chopper. A long pause hung between the two men as Chopper eyed his new conversation mate. Stephen was definitely silently lamenting that his inner life couldn't just hide away under his reading light undisturbed, and he felt uncomfortable under the blaze of Chopper's blue eyes. A flight attendant came by offering drinks. Stephen asked for a ginger ale and Chopper ordered a beer. Finally, Chopper broke through the uncomfortable silence. So why don't we cut through all the bull and tell each other what kind of men we really are? Excuse me? Stephen caught himself as he was about to take his first sip. Well, the way I look at it is blokes is always sizing each other up. We ask what kind of work we do, where we're from and all that. But what we really want to know is whether this is a man I should intimidate or that I should be intimidated by. Now Stephen really regretted getting the chopper off the ground. He had no idea how to respond to this bizarre question, and the man's intense eyes kept boring into Stephen, waiting for an answer. So far, Chopper was winning the intimidation contest. As Chopper's leathery face leaned in slightly closer, Stephen could smell the man's strong breath and resented that his own personal space was being further encroached upon. He tried to think of a clever answer as he scooted himself back closer to the oval window. If you don't want to respond, mate, that's fine with me, Chopper shrugged. But I'll say I'm the kind of guy that wants the gusto of life, you know what I mean? Uh, I know what you mean, but that's not the way I really look at life. Well then, Mr. Stephen, mate, how do you really look at life? Stephen tried again in vain to think of some retort. He already felt trapped in this window seat, having to defend himself from a corner. Later, he knew he would think of a really good comeback zinger in his hotel room, probably in the middle of the night. And he hated that he couldn't now just get it in advance. Luckily for Stephen, an attractive Asian flight attendant came by holding a large plastic bag. Rubbish? she asked with a cheerful British accent. Just my thoughts, darling, Chopper mischievously purred. She stared at both men with a professionally plastic face, as if she either didn't understand or didn't plan on dignifying the remark. Stephen felt embarrassed and quickly downed the rest of his ginger ale and tossed in the plastic cup. Thank you, she said with a nod and a smile and turned to the next row of passengers. You didn't answer my question, mate. Chopper's focus was bearing back down on Stephen. The smile child seated behind him suddenly kicked the back of Stephen's seat as if to mock him too. That jolted him into starting to respond, but before he could, Chopper gave him a big disarming smile and said, That's all right, mate. 
I'm a little strange. Don't answer that. He laughed a big manly laugh to himself. I got a weird way of getting conversations started. I guess I've spent too much time in the outback doing adventure tours for guys just like you. Stephen was starting to feel better now that Chopper was smiling, but his last statement carried the aftertaste of a put-down. He knew this outlandish Aussie was challenging him with the guys just like you part. If he took the bait, Stephen thought, he would get roped into a defense of his own bland existence versus Chopper's exciting life of adventure. Chopper was a tanned and strong outdoorsman, and Stephen looked like a pale American cubicle dweller. Okay, I get it. You're the big adventure man. He could understand why Chopper would size him up so quickly and put him in the people-to-intimidate column. This guy doesn't know the first thing about me. He has never seen me in action. Stephen only absorbed the backhanded rebuke and redirected the conversation towards more polite ground. I take it you're going to Indonesia for business, Chopper. That's one way to look at it, I guess. My business is my pleasure. Always wanted to see a live volcano. I've heard Java's got some beauties. They call these islands the Ring of Fire because of the active volcanoes. You know, like that Johnny Cash song. At that, Chopper's voice went two octaves lower, and he started singing out, complete with an air karaoke microphone. I fell into a burning ring of fire. Stephen tried to cut him off, especially when he saw the other passengers looking over. I didn't know that. I take it you've been to Indonesia before. You take a lot of things, Stevie, Chopper said. Then he leaned forward a little bit more, squinted, pointed at Stephen's chest and asked, but what do you give? Pardon, Stephen asked, leaning back again closer to the window. He wasn't sure if Chopper was just joking or insulting him. You take that I'm going to Indonesia for business. You take it that I've been to Indonesia before. Don't you think that's a lot of taking, mate? Ain't it time to start giving? Stephen tensed up, feeling defensive again, yet still couldn't think of any clever barb to fling back. Chopper flashed a big grin. Oh, I'm just kidding, mate. I know what you mean. Yeah, I've been to Indonesia, but only to the island of Bali. I usually go there to try to jump up a little business from all my countrymen getting sloshed in the bars down there. But there's so much more exploring to be done across these islands. How about you? Where are you heading to on Java? Stephen loosened his grip on the armrest and felt himself relaxing. They were now back on safe turf. I'm heading to Surabaya to do a training presentation for International Courier Services where I work. We're opening up an office in East Java, and I'll be the first one there to show the natives our way. Hmm, Chopper said, nodding his head slowly up and down. Sounds interesting. Stephen was smiling now. You're not a very good liar, Chopper. No, I'm not, Stephen. I'll give you that. But you're okay. You're an honest sort, too, he said while flashing an approving smile. The conversation continued from there. To be continued.